0: are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, James Bond travels to India to join up with a group of women smugglers and eventually to join a circus. It's 1983's Octopussy. Hey yo everybody welcome to another edition of the Bondzilla podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Will and, and uh, you, we're you back. K-
1: you kind of opened up on like a like uh those morning daytime radio guys like hey welcome back to the James Bond Godzilla podcast. We'll be drinking booze and stomping over Tokyo. And being right after really the break. sexist.
0: Sexist and also Cuz like all those morning radio shows are really sexist. Right. So I guess it would be very fitting for james bond right? right like what was that one dingo and the baby dingo
1: <laughs> i like that one if it doesn't exist it should exist yeah um, yeah you, you know what the reference yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> y- yes
0: nick. I didn't, it didn't sound like you did
1: uh, no that's why why else would i laugh at it yeah um <laughs> nick C- cross, cross-pollination uh, you know because it feels like on a James Bond episode there's always a little bit of James Bond news yeah and on a Godzilla episode there's, there's always a
0: little bit of Godzilla
1: news no, no, like, or Godzilla tangent yeah no on a James Bond episode there's a Godzilla tangent yeah. and on a Bond episode what am I talking about
0: I don't know what I think you- I'm having a stroke <laughs> what are you going to do- is there something Godzilla related you're going to talk about yes and no uh, because there is no Godzilla
1: uh, news related I did want to say one thing I went to go see
0: Pacific Rim Uprising. <laughs> yeah, Will has not stopped talking about this movie. Listen,
1: listen. I don't want to say it's one of my favorite movies this year that I've seen. I don't want to say that everybody who's been not liking it is wrong. Um, But I will say that. <laughs> I will say both of things. But no, the reason I brought it up was because... Recently, we've been doing the Showa era of Godzilla films. Yeah, and as I don't know, we've probably said on the show that I am—I know I'm a huge fan of the 2014 Godzilla movie, like the new one that came out. Um, yeah, yes. you're, you're, you're just giving me this look. No, no, no. i'm, <laughs> they, I'm, they I'm gave I'm, me this look. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting you speak. So I'm a huge fan of that one. That being said, there was a moment in the, there's this movie Pacific Rim Uprising. After watching all the Showa monster movies, maybe one of the best recent Godzilla movies that emulates that era of Godzilla movies. And it's not even a Godzilla movie. Mm. Like, it's just... But it's just funny because... Like, we had kind of talked about, and you've heard my rant about many uh, franchises and subjects. About how all I want, like... I I want them to go balls to the walls with the concept. Mm-hmm. And Pacific Rim goes balls of the walls with the concept. While actually, and I will argue to the death that it's actually a very good story with very good characters and it's actually well constructed, but at the same time, it is bonkers and it just it it really emulates that showa era. And if
0: there's one thing we've learned from the Bonzilla podcast, Will loves bonkers. The more
1: bonkers you get, man, the more I love it. But it's just it's just really funny because i think like that new godzilla movie emulated the original kind of tone yeah where it's fun that this movie and produced by the same people legendary yeah. uh are emulating that very like wacky like anything can go right. type of thing while still keeping it somewhat i mean there there's some competent filmmaking in that movie when we get to the air in the podcast where we talk about tangent things that are somehow related. Yeah, I may bring. I'll bring up all the Pacific Rim movies because mm. they it's kaiju. Yeah. And, and everything.
0: And uh, you know what? I forgot. What I was say. <laughs> no, I was gonna say um, Nick,
1: Nick. I've been trying to get Nick to see this with me. He, he why well, just we haven't
0: had time? Is really I don't good, know. I, really, I don't think you want to see. it. No, I want to see it.
1: I'd rather see that than Ready <laughs> Player One. Uh, Speaking of which, and real briefly, I'm not going to spoil this one. Yeah, but and I did tell you what this. Yes, was, but Will has told me what this there is. is something Bonzilla related in Ready Player in One Re- in Ready Player One. So that's all I will say. Yeah. So that's my Godzilla news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that 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 that's all I have to say.
0: Uh, Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, So in replicating the Showa era, is there any stock footage in Pacific Rim Uprising? <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: They're well what, what do you mean what what what's stock footage do they like do they reuse footage <laughs> not under the guise that it's new footage okay good <laughs> okay that's that's all I'm looking for. But there is stock footage, technically speaking. There there is technically stock footage. This may be a modern day showa movie. All right, fair I love enough. it. Everybody, fair enough. everybody, everybody, go see Pacific Rim uprising. It's not the answer I was expecting, but fair enough. <laughs> all right, back to the bond. Back to bond. I, I got I got uh, my yeah um, your tangent out. Got my tangent out. I got my drink in hand. I'm taking a lesson out of Bond's book by uh, just getting through this uh, drunk.
0: Yes. <laughs> all right, so we're ready to talk about. Our movie today?
1: Uh, I am willing to talk about the movie today. Okay. Yes.
0: So this is the 13th Bond movie, mm-hmm. Octopussy, and I'm going to tease it a little bit. This is a classic Bond production, and by classic Bond production, I mean there's a ton of incidents and accidents that happened on this movie, so it's going to be fun to talk about the production-wise. Mm-hmm. But we got to start post um, For Your Eyes Only, very successful Bond movie, and... Um, and it's, again, the wondering now where we're going to go next. Uh, Cubby <laughs> still wants the push to kind of go back to court and try to get those Blofeld rights back, but Wilson thinks it's a lost cause at this point. How it's, do you... Wait a minute. But how do you make the previous movie, Yeah. after that stunt you pulled in the cold open, and still like, I think we have a case to get the rights back? <laughs> it's I don't know. It's it's something I don't know. It's going to be... Cubby's kind of maybe thinking he has an idea for like right. how you could do it, something Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wilson's just like, we, just essentially what you said. It's like we, we've already killed off bald man in a wheelchair. Right. Right. We, they're going to make this other Bond movie. Clary's going to make the Thunderball remake. There's really no point. Let's just do our own thing. And Cubby's like, all right, fine. What do you want to do? And so they take a look at the rest of the Bond short stories that they haven't used yet. And um, Cubby decides to go with the title of Octopussy. Um, and when Wilson reads the book, <laughs> Octo. <laughs> when Wilson reads the book Octopussy, it, in this story, Bond is really a, a tangential figure. It's more about the character of uh, General Smythe, mm-hmm. is who we hear about in the movie, but essentially is a former uh, agent of the British service who kind of goes rogue. Runs away for 30 years. Bond finally catches up to him and allows him to commit suicide instead of being turned in and court-martialed. Oh. But Wilson says, well, this is... An element re- seen in a more recent Bond movie, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. um, But Wilson's like, I don't really know, you know if that's going to make a movie. You know, it's just kind of Bond allowing some guy to commit suicide. That's not really a story we can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so he talks to one of his writer friends in the industry, and because Wilson's kind of ner- more nervous than Cubby is about this other Bond movie, you know, it's it. He feels like, you know, we've we've established a Bond name, but if if McClory gets his eggs, you know, all in one basket, not blow up the basket, but get the eggs in one <laughs> basket, there's there's a chance that this movie could outdo Can us. Can this and, be part of our clip show? The random other movie references that we put <laughs> in. <laughs> it, it could be. I mean, what do we got? Aspirin bottles and blow up Don't the Don't explain the aspirin bottle. Not, I'm not going to. I'm just saying, you know, people can look for the clues. All right. So they're not going to blow up the basket. So, But Milson's a little more nervous about this. So he's trying to figure out what they can do, just kind of getting an outline of how they can establish this. Because he wants to use that octo- the story of Octopussy, the, the short story, but doesn't really want to call the movie Octopussy if it has nothing to do with the story that Fleming told. And so the other writer he's talking to is like, what if we, what if you did this? What if you had like this, this group of women assassins? Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) it's just at this point,
1: like how they're getting, how these movies are being pitched now. It's
0: It's like, hey man, wouldn't this be awesome? (laughs) And then, so Cubby's like, I mean, Wilson's like, yeah, that could be cool, but what could we do with that? And it's like, well, you know, the book, it's the the general is allowed to come to what if the main assassin was a daughter and the name of the daughter is Octopussy. Mm-hmm. And then Wilson's like, that works. So that's the outline he puts together. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Maybom kind of pitch it out and, uh, they decide to hire, uh, another writer, a novelist slash screenwriter outside out of Hollywood, George, uh, McDonald Fraser. And the reason they hire George McDonald Fraser is not only because they think he's a good writer, uh, but because he has a great familiarity with India and, um, India had been considered for a location in Moonraker, and and now for this film, they're kind of really eager to to do India as a location, as a main location for a Bond movie. So they hired George McDonald Brazier. He writes the script based on Wilson's outline, and then Wilson and Maybaum kind of do some rewrites at the end of it to kind of pull it all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the kind of the story and the production of Octop- *Octopussy*. Kind of going forward, it's now time for casting. And the major deal... Can, can I point out one thing as you sure. talk about Go conceptually
1: ahead. where this movie is coming from? It almost sounds like several elements that didn't feel like they were in one movie put into one movie.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Uh, and also, they but, do. T- but who? But who's who was in this movie, Nick? So there's a couple options they have. They retest Michael Billington, who was considered for Live and Let Die and had played Anya's boyfriend in the opening sequence of uh, Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, once again, for like the f- third or fourth time, talk to Timothy Dalton uh he is busy doing shakespeare at the time and just you know he has just gotten finished with flash gordon so his career is on the rise but he's he's going back to the stage for a little bit yeah uh, they so keep they-
1: going after this dalton fellow yeah. like in retrospect it's a shame they they never got him mm.
0: yeah <laughs> hey the summer of dalton is coming <laughs> you better be prepared um but after the tests they find one front runner one man that they really think is going to be the next bond and it is, once again, very close to an American Bond. Oh, okay. And the man that they almost hire to play Bond is James Brolin, father oh. of Josh Brolin. Oh. Which is really weird because you can see. So, they do the um, the, From Rush With Love scenes that I've talked about before. They do like the My Mouth Is Too Big scene. That's part of one of their big audition scenes. And they put them all on the Blu-ray. And it's really weird seeing James Brolin's auditions because it looks like kind of an like it looks like Josh Brolin but like (laughs) slightly not. So you're just imagining like Josh Brolin if he's like had a weird clone of himself, like (laughs) a right, right. It looks like yeah, his his. That's funny. Uh, But then it all changes when Kevin McClory announces that he has signed Sean Connery to come back to play James Bond. In his Bond movie, which is now called Never Say Never Again, right? Well, remember Kevin McClory? <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, he is a man who uh, you know had his whole thing with Thunderball. He owns the Thunderball rights, and mm-hmm. now he has finally uh, gone to Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers is producing a their own Bond movie using McClory's uh, rights to Thunderball. And we'll talk. We're going to watch uh, Never Say Never Again down the line, so I don't want to get too much into it. But essentially, for a very long time, the rumor around the movie was that McClory was going to hire George Lazenby Mm -hmm. to play Bond. And at that point, with those rumors, Ian, uh, Eon, especially Cubby, was kind of like, uh, kind of pushing that to the side, like, oh, either going to get Lazenby, like nobody cares about Lazenby. You know, Mm -hmm. this was before everybody kind of started to like honor Majesty Secret Service again. So they're like, Lazenby, screw him. That they're they're that's a stupid idea. Lazenby, the Incredible
1: Hulk. Of uh, of uh, <laughs> of the bond of the bonds. <laughs> That's a perfect description. That is amazing. Um, but anyways. And, 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 to, real quick, Incredible Hulk the movie within yes. the, the franchise. The, the, not, the, yeah, yeah, yes. okay, yeah. The, the, the Ed Norton Incredible <laughs> Hulk.
0: The Ed Norton Incredible Hulk. So would you <laughs> say the Ed Norton Hulk is the greatest? J- B- B- yes, of hulks <laughs> of hulks. Okay, but now that McClory has announced that he's signed Connery, right? Eon is panicking because Connery is still a big name actor. I mean, he, he never, unlike other Bonds, he never kind of left the industry or kind of did back back to smaller things. He's still a major player in Hollywood. He's still a very popular Bond. Everybody still goes back to Goldfinger and From Russia With Love and all those films. You know, as much as the more films have been popular, there's still that perception of Connery is Bond. Mm-hmm. And they now think that having a new bond go up against Connery is going to destroy them, that the Connery film will win all the way out. So Cubby and Eon essentially throw money at Moore to come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Brolin just unfortunately is one of those almost bonds that loses a job, but his co-star in those, uh, from Russia with love scenes, because you remember there's also bond and there's, uh, Tatiana, Mm -hmm. uh, Gets very lucky in the fact that she gets cast as Octopussy. And that is one, Maude Adams. Mm-hmm. So we've seen Maude Adams before. I don't know if you recognized her at all. I The face, uh, I was familiar with the face. Yes. But I couldn't place it. Uh, Maude Adams had previously played Scaramonger's mistress, Andrea Anders, in Man with the Golden Gun. And she's the woman who gets killed uh and then oh, like really okay yeah. all right all right okay so she right. holds the distinction of being the only uh bond girl to play s- two separate leading bond girls or major bond girl roles. right right um so she comes in as a favorite of cubby because cubby is good friends with her loves working with her loved her in man with the golden gun and she does the tatiana stuff and at that time there were um they're negotiating with a woman named Barbara Carrera mm-hmm. to play the role of Octopussy. But Barbara backs out to do Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery. <laughs> uh so Cubby starts thinking Maud has been really good in these Tatiana scenes. He really likes working with her. Why not cast her as Octopussy? And Maud is like, Well, I've already kind of been a Bond girl. I didn't I don't know if you're really serious, but they put the offer on the table and she decides I Enjoy working with eon I enjoy working with these people. I'll I'll do another one. So Maud Adams is uh makes bond history and still is the only one that have two major female roles, uh two separate female roles. Uh so then the rest of the cast falls in the line here. We got Lewis Jordan as kamel Khan. Uh he is also good friends with cubby Broccoli. Mm-hmm. Um like <clears throat> very good social friends, had dinner all the time and Cubby was like, well what? You're an actor. Why not we why don't we get you in here? Let's let's do it. Uh <laughs> Cubby was also very amused all the time by the way that Jordan said Octopussy. Uh-huh. Uh that the Wait, so who who is this in the movie? He's the uh guy that Bond plays like backgammon against, like that that kind of suave guy, yeah. I guess. He's like, the, villain. I, yeah, the villain. Yeah, the villain. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, he's one of the villains. He's one of the villains. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so there's Lewis Jordan as Kamal. Right. Khan. Mm-hmm um there's steven burkoff as general orlov who's the russian general he's one of uh, the other villains one of the villains that kind of sets everything in motion right uh, he was discovered by the casting director he was doing a small stage play in la called greek which was turning out to be a big hit uh and so he was invited to audition and he came to the audition in a full samurai outfit that he owned personally and um like samurai armor like, or samurai like a, yes like a samurai armor <laughs> um, and everybody was very confused but kind of like the as entrance si- entrance si- t- Ex- en- wait yeah. fuck you gotta be saying it wrong Ex- eccentricity eccentricity yeah. of the idea so
1: wait no no it's, that's not something that <laughs> a guy could just come in That is, like, the definition of white privilege right there, (laughs) that you could come in in a samurai outfit and everybody just accepts it as, like, oh, you know what, not my choice, but very bold. No, like, the first thing is, like, this guy is out of his mind. I
0: need to know more. What's really distinct about that in all the it's it's a story that's been confirmed by multiple sources but none of them elaborate on it they're just how like how do you not elaborate That's what that. i was shocked by <laughs> like i didn't know like they didn't ask him about it they they didn't say like oh this is how i felt they're like yeah he came with a samurai uh, outfit and uh, we like the audition so he cast nothing but questions at that <clears throat> point all right a couple more castings to go with uh vj armitage mm-hmm. as vj mm-hmm. um the friend of Bond in India, the other agent. Right. Um. He was a tennis player, uh, and Cubby was a big fan of tennis, big fan of VJ, and just decided to offer him a part. Uh, there was a little controversy because VJ was being offered a major role without being part of any actors' union or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but Cubby damn unions. Cubby uh pulled some strings and got VJ a, a guest starring role on Fantasy Island. So that VJ would qualify immediately for SAG, uh, you know, SAG membership and have a union behind him. So Cubby mm-hmm. uh, was helpful, and then VJ would go on to have a little bit of a, a little bit of an acting career. He also appeared in Star Trek for the one with the whales. Kabir Betty is um, Gobinda. He's the henchman of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's Kamal's bodyguard essentially. Doesn't like dice. Uh, he doesn't like dice. Uh, he was a major Bollywood star, and for some reason, a major heartthrob in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh he uh was a big Bollywood star, and they decided, well, we're gonna get a big Bollywood star who can kind of be a jawsish big guy henchman, mm-hmm. not with the same comedy, but just in terms of that big frame, yeah, they, they need muscle, they need yes. a muscle guy, yeah, um we have Kristen Wayburn as um Magda, uh the other woman major woman role in this movie mm-hmm. um that Bond meets at the auction and and after that um she was a Swedish model turned actress um much like in a a weird sense in uh man with the golden gun mod adams also played with the model swedish model slash actress in brit eckhart and now she's doing it again Mm -hmm. so it's a weird connection um she was most known for uh starting her acting career in the united states but also a modeling poster of her with the tiger in kind of a sexy safari outfit and so she was this aspiring actress and she got the part because of uh, her th- athletic um, prowess. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I just want to mention that we have Robert Brown finally as the new M. Uh, so M does get recast in this movie as Robert Brown, and Robert Brown is going to be our M through the Dalton films. Okay, all right. Basically, Brown's going to be our M until Judy Dench shows up.
1: Excuse me, Nick. It-
0: Dame Judy Dash, please. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, like, come on. All right, so now we're getting to the production. So they start uh, going to India. Mm-hmm. They go to a location called Udipur, uh, India. Mm-hmm. And basically realize that. I think that's a. Isn't that a planet in Star Wars? That's Udipal. <laughs> hey, oh! It's going to move on. Um, <laughs> and they basically realize that all the locations they may need are in this city within a 15 mile radius. So this is the perfect location for them. Uh, but they got to get permission by the local Maharan, uh, which is basically the local leader of this town, like a kind of mayor or president of the town, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> president of the town. Yeah. <laughs> this is essentially what he is. I know. But it, um, isn't that just a mayor? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: What? <laughs> president of the town. <laughs>
0: There are a lot of royal titles in <laughs> India, so I was trying to kind of get a good sense of what it was.
1: Then why not just find out? <laughs> President. <laughs> I just
0: love, like, instead of finding out who what it is, what the well, title no, is. What I'm saying is that there's a lot of different titles, like there's right. a lot of different ranks. So this is like a pretty high rank. Right. So I'm trying to portray that. Then why,
1: is he, why not mayor? Why not just mayor of the town? Because it might not be a mayor. I don't know. That's the highest you can get on a town though.
0: <laughs> okay, whatever. He's the mayor. He's president mayor. I don't give a I don't give a damn anymore. President mayor. All right, Ugh. basically this guy, he's ecstatic right. to host a Bond movie. Right. Okay. So he right. he basically gives them everything they want. He lets them film in his uh, and stay in his palace, which he is converting to a hotel. Either way, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the production's about to begin, but we kind of have our first little incident mm-hmm. of the film. Uh, the production designer, is, uh, Peter Lamont, uh, is traveling back and forth between India and London to kind of start, you know, making sure that they can get all these locations and you know negotiate and all that sort of stuff. But on one of his flights back, his uh, plane gets hijacked by terrorists oh shit and um basically he barely he, well he said that the person next to him when they were kind of trying to you know calm down and try to like kind of you know introduce people to each other as they're trying to figure out what they're doing was guys like what do you do and the guy's like oh I'm, a, I'm, I'm with the bond team it's like "Do you have any of those gadgets with you Can <laughs> you help us out uh, but eventually the pilot essentially pushes the terrorist out of the plane and <laughs> um and uh they're stuck on the tarmac and then they all survive. Yeah. So luckily nobody was injured except the terrorists.
1: But this this is just a series of stories where I just have nothing but more questions. <laughs> like, <laughs> like wait, he just pushed
0: the terrorists out. Yeah, there was like a struggle at the door like, and like there were raccoons. <laughs> just, and Shoot, get out of here. Yeah, and like the guy pulled out <laughs> his gun, but he kind of tripped and like the pilot like took that opportunity to like get him out of the plane because like he was fumbling with his gun. All right, it was a situation. So that no all- one messes with president pilot. <laughs> so after that's settled, I'm the president of this plane. There is some discussion about the name Octopussy. Because, after, of course, back in the day, right. Pussy Galore itself was a big name deal. Uh-huh. But that, remember, in, in, for Goldfinger, the name Pussy Galore was never used in any of the marketing. Right, right, right. It was always Miss Galore or Mr. Goldfinger's personal pilot or anything like that. This one, they're like, oh, well, Octopussy is the title. We can't really get around not advertising the title. Right, right. Uh, but this is kind of the 80s. Things are a little more relaxed now. Uh, and they kind of just push the fact that it is an Ian Fleming book, mm-hmm. and that makes everybody seem okay. Um, just do what Blockers is doing put Octo and then a cat uh, yes. up there. Yeah. Um, uh, it is just should note as well that the song in this movie is called All Time High. It's the first Bond song that doesn't feature the title of the song in any of its lyrics or, or the title. And uh, the lyricist is Tim Rice, who would go on to do. Uh, Different musicals such as Lion King, he was a mm-hmm. lyricist for those, um, and he said the only reason that Octopussy is not in the song at all is that he couldn't think of anything to rhyme it with. So, so we go. Let's start with the opening sequence, uh-huh. uh, the Acrostar uh, BD Jets. Uh, this sequence was actually written and intended for Moonraker. Uh, partly as a backup for if their skydiving sequence didn't work in the beginning, Uh, and then it was kind of moved to a middle action beat for the film, but then it was just cut before production started. But it was an idea they really liked. Uh, They knew a man they worked with on Moonraker called uh, uh, J.W. Corky uh, Fornoff, not J.W. Pepper, Mm -hmm. uh, Corky Fornoff, uh, who owned a plane, who built it himself, and they decided to use his plane. And the plane that you see in the movie is a real plane that has the wings kind of fold up like that, its top speed was about 150 miles an hour. Um, and they do some pretty cool stuff with it in the movie. Um, one thing they do is they fly, you know, in the movie, Bond flies it into a hangar and out the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, the plane in real life would be too fast to actually do that safely. So what they did, they did foreground miniatures and forced perspective. So they basically put a fake door, built it in front of the camera, make it look like it's, the door was smaller than it was so that the plane actually had a lot more room to go through. Speaking of planes, we also got that climax sequence. Uh, again, one of those ridiculous Bond stories. <clears throat> so the way they do it is really cool. So they build a handle onto the plane so that stuntmen could hang onto it. make It seem like they're hanging out. Uh, on the plane, they're kind of hanging off and fighting on the plane. Mm-hmm. They had a door that opened up, like, so they would just take off normally, open up the door, take it out, do all the stuff on the plane, get back on the plane and land it safely. But the idea was that they also kind of had a dummy plane kind of full of explosives that they would remote control and... Show it crashing and had this big explosion, but for whatever reason, they the plane took off, and like just kept going. It didn't crash. It didn't land. It just kind of like they the the remote control plane that it took off kind of was like dipping down, and then like the way that it was built, the wings just kind of started naturally having it go forward, mm-hmm. and it landed just beyond a highway. So it could have landed on this highway. Uh, but they landed just beyond the highway, but they couldn't get the footage because they weren't prepared for it. So eventually, it was just the miniature. But again, this is one of those ridiculous little like Bond stories. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> what is this? What is going on? Um, we also have the taxi chase. You remember the taxi chase through the streets of India, mm-hmm. um, where you know Vijay's fighting with the tennis rack and everything. So they ask for about five thousand extras to be through the streets and get ten thousand Indian extras. And are pretty much overwhelmed by the amount of uh, support and fandom they have in India. Uh, Especially because they have uninhibited access to the streets. But, you know, those streets can be very narrow. They can be very crazy. Um, So, at one point... uh, By the way, the taxis are basically outfitted with motorcycle engines. So, they're going 60 miles an hour. And they're doing these sword fighting between cars. And this just regular old guy on a bike bikes through the two cars that are fighting and just keeps on going as if this is normal that like these two cars are just play fighting with mm-hmm. each other <clears throat> he just bikes on through as if nothing is out of the ordinary <laughs> uh and that shot is actually kept in the movie because two cameras did catch it uh but the then we're getting to the fun stuff so uh we have the yo-yo sequence remember the uh, the uh yo-yo <laughs> yes, I remember yeah. I've seen the movie I know I know all this stuff So there's stuff. a buzzsaw yo-yo Yeah uh, so they have the actual yo-yo that goes up and down mm-hmm. and then they had like one on a pole that would be like the actual like motorized one that made it seem like it was a lot sharper Uh but the actor who was doing the yo-yo was like really into it and he's like all right he's on he's on the top of this balcony and he's going to do it down to the bed And he's like, all right, like, I got to get closer. You got to take these safety rails off. Like, I got to be able to get down and make sure it all looks really good. Mm -hmm. So he gets down, he leans over and promptly falls off and breaks his arm. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And the cat, the the production's like, okay, what are we going to do with this? How can we kind of continue doing this? Because this guy has a broken arm and we still have to do like close ups with this guy. But we've already shot a lot of the other, like, scenes with him, you know, like, when he's, like, introduced and, in, like, kind of some of the other major fight stuff. But we got to get, like, the last little bits. So they put him in a cast and just keep him in the movie. And so if you look in the movie for, like, the a third of the shots, he's, like, they're doing things, but you can clearly see his arm is in a cast. And he's just kind of fighting with just one arm. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. Uh, but then the major sequence is the train sequence. Mm-hmm. So there's a ma- the major action sequence in this movie is, is Bond on a train. And uh, first of all, they, they film it at what, the, what is called a train museum, which is basically just a bunch of land with uh, old trains, old railways and tunnels that basically is just like, oh, this is free land that we can just kind of go across, do what we need to. Um, one of the things they do is they have a car ride the rails. They built a specially built car that Moore actually drove onto the rails. Uh, which was pretty neat. And then uh, they also push it out of an air cannon uh, to make it seem like it's getting hit by another train. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, this is also something that almost makes it in the movie. If you look really closely, at the the car flies off into like a pond and there's a bunch of fishermen there. Uh, the boat gets way too close to the rowboat that's there. And there's one of the one of these stuntmen playing the fisherman barely gets out of the way before the car crushes him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other major part is there's parts of Bond running on the train or hanging on the side. And, of course, that wasn't Moore. That was a man named uh, Martin Grace. So okay, the sequence gets a little more complicated than normally because he's done this type of thing before, Martin Grace. Um, but he the train that they have is has a concave roof, so it's a little more slippery. But he gets through that fine um and there's a lot in terms of hanging on the side and all that sort of stuff and he gets through all that fine but one point so whenever you do a stunt like this you really closely look at like the area you're working in to make sure there are no safety hazards right nothing that you could hit on the side of the strain or anything like that so at one point they were filming this for like a week. They're doing all the kind of close-ups and stuff. And now they have two days to pick up shots with a helicopter to get those big, above-the-train above the shots that they do, you know, as you do in a movie. And uh, Grace is hanging off the side of this train again. And the shot with the assistant director it goes a little bit too long mm-hmm. to the point <clears throat> where the train is going to territory that they have not charted. So uh, Lamont is kind of doing a thing where he's looking through the window as part of the scene. And he's kind of looking inside to see, you know, Bond is looking inside to see who's in there, like where, where, he, where he is in, in terms of where he is on the train, on the, on the circus train. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't realize that because he's on a track that he hasn't seen yet, there's a concrete stanchion that's coming right towards him. And the concrete stanchion hits his side of his body completely tears off the flesh on his thigh oh fuck breaks oh, his that's... breaks his leg shatters his hip oh shatters his arm and, and kills s- him <laughs> <laughs> but he still hangs on oh no he still hangs on because if he didn't hang on he would have been killed oh so um this incident was a major major blow to the team just in terms of the, <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. The the uh, the, uh, the second unit director almost quit the industry because he was so <laughs> traumatized yeah. by it because he was the one shooting. Uh huh. Um, he they immediately took him to the hospital. Everybody visited more visited him like ten to fifteen times. Um, what's crazy is that the man made a full recovery in six months and was immediately right back to stunt work. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's just another one of those things, and it just shows that. That story, to me, also shows again, just like we did at the end of the uh, "You Only Live uh, for Your Eyes Only" episode, that how close the Bond team is now together. That like is you know this man it was a part of the team. He's a stunt man, and you know Moore's visiting him in the hospital. Cubby, Glenn, Wilson, even the team because that you know this is second unit. The first units in India doing stuff, and even when the first unit hears about this, they take a day to just you know kind of chill and. You know, and just kind of take it in and kind of reflect. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty much what I have. You know, it's uh, we got some stories here, but you know, it was n- not the most. You know, yeah. I mean, somebody almost died. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> that's all that matters in a Bond movie, I suppose. The production. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. So.
0: Ready to talk about the movie.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's okay. let's just get right into it. All
0: right, just, uh, yeah, get the then, quote in there. Yeah, and we'll yeah, go. yeah.
1: And then then and here we are. Forgive my curiosity, but what
0: is that? That's my little octopusy.
1: Why is it wasn't the conversation ever that it's a dumb name. It's a stupid name. This
0: <laughs> is it's, <laughs> it, it's a it's
1: children's a- name. Like cuz even like Pussy galore is, like, so on the nose, like, that you, you can't help but be, like, like chuckle at it. Like, octopussy sounds like something, like, a 15-year-old boy would come up with, and just be, by the fact of, like, huh, octopus, you know, ends in puss.
0: Yeah. It's like... Uh... The fact that it's like a pet name from the in terms of the context of the movie. Yeah, it's, they it's, even explain it at one point, and it's, that like, it's that, like that's not the origin isn't much better. Well, it's because the, the origin is like, oh, it's the it's the name my father nicknamed me because he loved octopuses, or octopi, <sighs> whatever it is, octopuses. Oh, sorry, octopi. um, I I had to yawn. Um,
1: kind of kind kind of reminiscent of watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is not good. Uh, I mean, it's not bad. Uh, I mean, I didn't really find. But it's also a lot to love.
1: It's also like, I don't know. I found myself when watching this movie, just like, all right, I need a, I need a little something more now. Yeah. Because like, what, what are we? are what thirteen movies in? Yeah. And it, it's like, I, I still like Roger Moore. It, it, the movie's goofy,
0: but not as goofy as other movies. It's have been. I mean, to me, to be honest, to get into it, it's like the first movie in a while, probably the first movie since Man with the Golden Gun, where it's like very little of the action kind of took me in, and it's like when that happens, mm-hmm. that's usually kind of a sign that the whole the movie around it is just kind of not lively, and I kind of found myself wanting just. You know, especially because like you said last time on the bond, that's like there's a certain thing that happens when you kind of binge these movies, or like right? The, right. And and to me, what's kind of happening is that we've, in even in talking about all this stuff, we've seen like these Bond movies with all these crazy cool stunt sequences, crazy cool action, and a lot of times when even when the movie's not in. Credible, those sequences can kind of hold the movie up. And the common thread for me is when those action sequences drag on, is when, like, are the lower bond movies for me. That even like a movie, like we said, like a movie like Moonraker, which you know kind of loses itself in the middle, like it still has like the insanely cool stunt sequences around it, kind of pick that movie up. And this one is kind of it's on the level of something like the first half of Thunderball or Man with a Golden Gun to me, where there there is cool action there's i'll I'll mention some of it when we specifically as we talk but in terms of just the overall pace and action and just energy of the movie it's just it's lacking in a lot of spaces i
1: i thought of it more in terms of which is very fitting of our last godzilla movie which was gigan yes uh where this wasn't any of the worst things i've seen in bond movies uh but it had none of the best Things uh, It had right. nothing to elevate it beyond yeah. that. I mean, the they get rid of their big action set piece that really works in the, um, in the the what's it called like with the the plane the sequence. opening sequence. Um, and I actually thought there are elements in this movie that I thought were like quite good, but it's just like as an overall package, it yeah. was just kind of lacking. Yeah. Um,
0: I kind of just want to start talking about more because this is really the first time that I wasn't totally into him. Well, no, movies. I mean, but it's like... Like, I mean, he's still on that edge of, like, he's still giving the movie, it something. But the
1: movie gives him nothing to do. That, and
0: that's really the thing. I think that's really the thing about Octopussy. It's just the script doesn't give people things to do. Like, it doesn't give more things to do as Bond. And it doesn't give Glenn things to do as a director. Because like, you know, I mentioned last time, I thought Glenn's directing in those action sequences in Free Your Eyes Only were fantastic. And there's bits and pieces of that director in this movie. The opening sequence, I think like some of the shots of that train sequence are really good and really cool. Like stuff like Bond running on the track, or running on the top of the train and the way that kind of moving shot, it's great. Right. But, but the script just doesn't give Glenn enough of those types of moments to really play to his strengths. And so a lot of it is kind of those calmer, like, investigative and kind of just character to character moments, which don't really have a lot of meat to them and a lot of energy to them. And I th- Glenn works best when there is like an energy in the room. Mm-hmm. And again, I kind of just go straight to those Dalton movies where there's a lot of energy in those films for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like this one just lacked that energy that lets Glenn kind of, play with the world and I feel like but it's it's also and I like, mean and it's the same with more it's just it doesn't give more enough to do the play with that energy that he that even carries his worst films well this this movie had
1: no focus at mm-hmm. all and it and it I think it was like was it the last Bond movie or two Bond movies ago where I think I posited that as cool and as it is the globe trot trotting element of Bond like,
0: does it come to a certain place where you're so many places? That was Moonraker, you the, said that. Yeah. Because Moonraker was, we talked about, because like going from place to place to place to place. And this one almost... But it's, like,
1: so many, like... Yeah. Like, because I felt like, and I guess that's, like, kind of more of a shallow criticism, but I felt like, I felt like that in this one, were to the point where it's so many different jarring places... But then, to no end, yeah, and it was just so like there was no focus. And I'm in like, it.
0: let me be honest. I just think that like I, there's cool stuff in India, but I almost feel like it's. I I get what you're saying that they're still like going from place to place to place, right? Yeah. But I almost feel there's almost like too much India in this movie. Not from like a racist perspective, no. But like, from I, just, I have a
1: whole race question oh, about yeah. India. But, this,
0: like, but like from just from like just an aesthetic. It's just there's just. Too much in but one place. Because like, even that, like, again, it's just that it, it those sequences in India just lack that energy. But it just I, lacks momentum. But I momentum. think that
1: even it, – it wasn't so much the energy for me because, like, when we went to Egypt, like, uh, in, Spy, Love in Spy Loved Me – like I did get that, like, and that was a movie that went a couple different places too. But I did have that sense of like, wow, like Bond is in Egypt and yeah. this exotic locale, and and that was in here. But but then it's also juxtaposed with, you know, the the palace, and then like the and then like the circus too. And, well, and, yeah, and Berlin, and and, and, and like, like the fact that the so Soviet Russia's involved. Yeah, can it's I so can I just say that F- the like, like, there's a
0: lot of things in this movie that are like. Could be interesting. Oh, 100 percent But are not. And like one of them just is good off the bat, is the fact that they are actually film at the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Is nuts and yeah. should be a bigger deal. Well here's, but it's not. Here's, I wrote this
1: down. I actually thought the setup to this movie was very compelling. Because like as much as I do like my bonker stuff and as much as I do love, you know, the maniacal mastermind villain like i was way on board like i was like this is quite good like that they're just doubling down on the fact that like soviet russia and there's like there like this one guy he wants to make moves to like take over the world yeah take over europe essentially but take over like take over the world in that very like real political realistic way way. like
0: hey like he's like we have we can Take these ten tanks, we can move in on our labors and we can basically take over Europe within two weeks because we have the defenses to do it and they right. do
1: not And and I thought like that was like the kind of that I kind of like popped up in my seat a little bit because it's like, all right, so there is like something a little bit deeper in this, mm-hmm. and then I thought that was quite a compelling thing. Because part of it too thing. is that the
0: rest of the Russian like council is basically talking about nuclear disarmament and handing over their stuff to NATO and and all that sort of stuff, which basically is kind of the real life issues that would turn in turn end the Cold War. Right. Even right. this, even this was kind of that height where there was still a lot of nuclear tension. It's like a lot of that stuff that would end the Cold War. And one did the one general, uh, the man who came to the audition in the samurai suit. Uh, he's the one that's like, no, we can't we can't let up our defenses we can win this right so but so that is set up mm-hmm. but then he just disappears yeah. for like
1: most of the movie
0: right because the, the rest the movie the moves of this plan are from our what are who our major villain is or like our, our, our in terms of our main like villain that we follow right which right. is kamal khan um who and i guess in the context of the movie is like a, a exiled Afghan prince who's like trying to get power again, something like that. And it's weird because I actually followed
1: somewhat the plot of this one. Mm -hmm. Like I could kind of tell oh, I guess I could kind of like all right. So I think the plot of this movie is is that the Russian guy, he wants to set off a nuclear weapon on American in an American like base. Yes. Uh like on Americans, killing a bunch of people in Americans and posing it as a big um like an accident yeah um and then his plan is like everybody's going to be like oh like what happened and then they're not going to sign what is it what's the what's the phrase they're not going to go ahead well basically you know what i'm bad at history it's going to somehow leave uh the the soviet union to be able to take over the rest of the world
0: (laughs) because it's going to force everybody else to disarm because they'll be like there's this big accident Nobody was at fault, so they're not going to do like countermeasures. Right, they'll just basically like, oh well, this is terrible. Let's disarm, and then right, that's what and, it is. And this guy can, just and go then
1: he's using a like a uh, like a smuggler, uh, oh. led, a ring led by Octopussy Yes, uh, to kind of like deal in his machinations mm-hmm. a little bit. But the thing is, so I somewhat follow it as inelegantly as I put it, but I I somewhat followed it. But in a weird way, it's like it just felt like so many moving pieces. Yeah. Where it's like, so he's the villain, then he disappears, and then here and then here comes Mr. Samurai, and then he, no, that's not. He's he, the guy is Mr. Samurai. The other dude, like the, the other smarmy villain yeah, guy. Yeah,
0: smarmy. Con, come, come on. Yeah, so he. Gone!
1: <laughs> so he comes in. And I'm like, okay, oh, right, so this guy's the villain. So then Octopussy comes in. and I'm like, wait, so is she the villain? And then she is for a while, but then it turns out like she's well, not, just kind not of not like. Not really. Yeah, like, she's just the businesswoman who yeah. falls for Bond. But it's just like, it's so many. Mm. Things, and at that point, the thing that you set up in the first one hasn't been seen for like an hour in the movie, and I guess like the whole thing is like they reveal like how it's, it's all connected. connected, and and that's cool, but like I don't know, it, it like but then again, yeah. and then having and again, that, and it's like, and then at the same time, there's like the front is like the circus, yeah. It
0: Ugh, the, I don't which, want to get in the circus yet but, because I have a but, lot of thoughts. But the on thing the is, like all
1: these individual elements are fine, but they're so. Jarring with yeah. each other.
0: And again, <laughs> it's a movie, to me, it's a movie filled of like lost potential. Because, then- like, I want to, because, oh, talk about like Khan for a second. Like, the idea of this villain who, like, is constantly annoyed by Bond... Right. Like, is really interesting because it's like, again, it's not in that mechanical take over the world type of guy. He's just a guy trying to get some money, get some power, and trying, you know, he's like, I'll make this deal with this guy. He's exiled, whatever. And he just kind of keeps getting one-up by Bond. He's just so frustrated. Mm-hmm. And he just wants to kill him, but, like, he, at every turn he's not allowed. Like, that's super interesting in a sense, there's almost, like, not a chemistry between well, them. Well, compared I think. to the Russian, like, he is, like, clearly a Bond villain. Like, it's so over the top.
1: Right. And that's why it's just, like, why isn't he just the villain? Of, right. Which I guess he technically is at but, the end of the day. Yeah. But I did find myself, like, when that stuff was happening, I was very intrigued and invested in, like, mm-hmm. this kind of, like, enemy, like, this villain thing, but, like, everything having to do with... Like, this jewelry and the Fabergé egg, yeah. I was just, like, not mm. into yeah. at all. And the, and the other thing about this movie is that the goofy elements are way too few and far between. That They're all awesome. <laughs> like, at one point, Bond is, like, swinging on vines through a forest and they play the Tarzan yell. Just
0: straight up yeah. the Tarzan yell. Yeah,
1: he, he Chewbacca's it in, in Return of the Jedi. And so he does that. At one point, Bond is going back and forth to this floating castle in a crocodile suit. That
0: suit is awesome. Yeah. This it, crocodile it, like, suit, it's like the bird hat. Yeah. It's, it, like a, it's a more version of the bird hat from Goldfinger. And, like,
1: op- the mouth opens up and his, like, head sticks out of the mouth. Like, that's great. Q is great in this movie. Oh, uh, well,
0: wait, hold on. Can we talk about that Q scene real quick, the, the yes. first lab scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, so, they do the normal Q lab stuff, which is great, right? And then Bond's getting introduced. They're putting a uh, tracking device and a mic... In the Faberge egg, or Mm -hmm. either the fake or the real one, who knows? So they they put it. No, it's the fake one. It's the fake one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So they put it in the in the egg so that he can listen to what's going on. So then Bond, yeah, I know you're talking about. And then Bond walks over to a watch, and he's like, "Oh, it's the latest in like you know uh, liquid video or whatever it is. It's like the latest in video technology. We can actually you know put the uh, uh, you can have a camera and you can see what's going on with the watch." So Bond goes over to the camera and in the background of the scene there's like this like secretary woman who's just kind of doing some work yeah. and Bond just straight up zooms in on her breasts right. and like kind of like <laughs> zooms in and out of the breasts. Yes, yes. And which which is the most childish things Bond like ever ever done. And the most ridiculous part of the scene is then Bond, and Hugh's like, Oh, stop that, 007. No, he said, Stop being
1: childish. Yeah, stop 00- being, yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. being
0: childish. Yeah. So Bond goes back and like, Hugh finishes up his thing. But in the background, you can see that the camera is still just hanging on her breast. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. doesn't move. She doesn't like, like kind of like, notice it all. She's just doing her work. And the screen next to her is just showing her top, like her breast. <laughs> it's absurd. It's just, that's good. This
1: movie, like, I, I'm and it's so. a Q comes back at the end Kind of pulls like a You know like an assist at the end In a hot air balloon Randomly You're right Like they
0: never set up this hot air balloon It's Bond and, and Bond and Q in a hot air balloon and It they make did
1: a, make me want to see more Bond and Q adventures
0: Like it like They The characters have good chemistry Like they've No really, they do because As no, much no, but, as but, I
1: joke That everybody hates Bond The more I see these movies The more it does kind of seem like Yeah Q thinks he's a dick But he's always going to to, like have his exactly. back at the end of the day, yeah. Like Again, I, I do like that. I
0: hate, I hate teasing this, but there's there's another Bond movie coming up that I'm really looking forward to you seeing because I think th- there's a lot of good Q stuff in that movie. Because
1: you had also said. And this may have been off, mic, but you had you had been pretty harsh. That and maybe it's just after watching all these that you're just not a fan of Ben Winch. Ben Winshaw. I've, I've
0: really lowered myself yeah. on the Ben Winshaw interpretation yeah. after watching.
1: Which all it, this which stuff. is all fine because Ben Winshaw is uh, he's Paddington now, so you know he's got a new icon to be, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's great and has that. But it was one of those things. I was like, ah, oh, don't be so harsh on him. He's fine. But it is one of those things like when you watch this because they do give that character stuff to do in the new movies. Yeah. But if it was more so this Q getting more stuff to do. Like you honestly you know who this Q is. This Q is Simon Pegg's character in Mission uh, in Mission Impossible movies. That's not a bad
0: comparison. Like when you think about yeah. it like
1: that's kind of I think what I want Q to be. Like easily the tech guy but somebody who can, you know, go out into the field.
0: Yeah. Um here's another thing that is a lost potential in this movie. The fact that Octopussy is the leader of this smuggling group of women, which is something that really only comes into play at the again, very end.
1: It shows that it's all these little pieces that they just want to put in, because you're right, it does come into the end.
0: And like, here's the thing. So again, we're just going kind to of jump all over, but this is the type of movie where you're just going to yeah, jump well, I mean, over. I mean, why not? <laughs> because at the end, you know, they they have this assault on uh, Kamal Khan's like fortress and Octopussy leads her women, and they fight all of the guards, and that sequence is, like, one of the highlights of the movie, like, especially the way it's, like, edited, and the music, I love the kind of action theme, like, the did a did a did a did like the pirate theme, I think it plays really well, and it all comes together with these, like, kick-ass women kicking guys' asses, and all this crazy stuff that's happening with them, and then Bond comes in with a hot air balloon, and the fact that that's like the first time that really the like women league of smugglers slash assassins slash whatever they are right. that comes into play is like so sad because that's an idea that would have been so cool to kind of play with. throughout. But that's the movie.
1: what I mean. The movie, I would argue, doesn't play with that enough. In Previously, like there's a little bit well, of yeah. lip service of why it's an island full of women. But when I really think about it, other than a few like throwaway lines and like, you know, women kind of like being guards, like there really isn't. Like at one point, like two women just come in wielding guns and like dress like they're female versions of Rambo. Yeah. And it's like, well, where did that come from? Right. Yeah. So it's like, but so it's, wait a minute. I mean, like I said, that's earlier the- they were dressed up as thing one and thing two. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, they had the red outfits with the little dot. I was like, why is she dressed like Thing One?
0: It's crazy. But it's just, it's, it's just sad. Because I (laughs) think, to me, like, it's like that, it's one of those things where, like, that had just, when you think about it, when you imagine what that could have been, it could have been, like, a great, like, basically, it could have been, like, the ultimate version of what, like people think pussy galore is right yeah. like that's the, well it could it, it could have been a whole group of like actually badass it pussy it could have been the
1: empowering version of the establishment that was in on her majesty's secret service. Yes. Like, and, and that's really what
0: it could have again, been. And again like that last scene with them, that last fight, like has some of that in there. And it's just like that was because there's there's a difference between a movie that like completely squanders its potential and like just shows you a little bit of its potential. Right, right. And Octopussy in moments and brief s- segments is a movie that shows you its potential with its ideas. I did want to talk about the India scene because the India scene kind of like
1: transitions into the circus stuff. Yeah. Now, the India scene was interesting because this was the one I, I'm so curious. And, you know, if, if anybody is listening and has an opinion on this, please write in because I'm, I'm very, I, I'm, I'm super interested in the. The cultural, race, racial, uh, like politics of utilizing India in this way. Because one of the things I found interesting about it was because I do think there is some value of, even though it's like, you know, the white secret agent coming in, I do think there's some value in like going out to all these other places and you're exploring or showcasing these cultures at least. Right. But it's also kind of funny that a lot of it is played. Either for humor or they kind of like go throughout all like there's a snake charmer, there's a guy who lays on the needles, there's like a sword swallower, it just like right. go, runs the gambit. And I wonder sometimes Eastern cultures don't look at things as sensitively as we do. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a bad sensitive in a bad way, but right. they, you know, sometimes They look East- at like
0: certain cultural things. Yeah, sometimes
1: more. they look Eastern people look at like something like this not this specifically but something like this and say like oh it's kind of cool that like we're in a bond movie like that are that the culture's in a bond movie whereas western culture can be like wait a minute that's kind of seems like a little insensitive that like all these kind of like iconic cliche things that we already applied to that country mm-hmm. are also being played kind of like humorously and for action right so i just wonder like i don't really have an opinion on it i just
0: no it's curious. i mean like i don't have the information or the cultural insight to honestly answer that for you know and uh it would be interesting to kind of anything like that It's. it's always interesting that kind of dynamic of like using culture but also using stereotypes of culture yeah. And is, I, it's, there's, there's always a balance to it. And, and, like, and, and for, and for always, this one, I just don't have the answer to like right, what right. that is.
1: But but that transitions into like the circus thing. This circus thing. Which is like, just aesthetically me, and tonally so different it's from It's so me.
0: jarring. Yeah. And the thing is, like, this really, just the circus stuff, really just puts like a, it, it puts like a damper kind of, not a damper, it's not the right word. It, It's a cloud that hangs over the movie. Oh, really? See, I didn't feel that way. I to me, it's just like it's just so weird, and like I just when you watch it, it's like.
1: But I think that way because of. The context of the rest of the movie. Like, I would actually argue, go with the circus thing. Forget the India thing. Like, to me, the India thing felt out of place. Because if you're going to go... And maybe it's because the one dramatic beat that did work for me was the final Bond is trying to warn everybody. that, And I actually think that is Moore's,
0: one of his best acting, only because... I'm like, going to say this. Yeah. Because I kind of agree with you. The fact that Moore is selling the fact that there's like 10 seconds till this nuke goes off. Right. Well, in full clown makeup. Yeah, right. I give him full credit for that. Even if like the whole performance of Moore in this movie isn't my favorite, mm-hmm. it's probably among the weakest I've seen of just more, just purely from an overall but perspective. I, yeah. I do agree. I was kind of a little bit blown away, by just like that, that particular line where he's telling the general. Yeah, the fact, yeah, that, like, yeah. That that's, there's a bomb in that trunk and it's gonna go off in 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 twenty seconds. Well, and it's
1: kind of nice when you see Bond, and I actually think more is best in doing this in general. It is kind of nice to see Bond like actually give a shit that like a bunch of people are about to die. Yeah, not no. just in the generic way. Just like, no, dude, you don't understand. Like a lot of people yeah, are about and and to die. Yeah, and, because, so I really
0: like that. But bit. he also should talk about the fact that Bond. Dresses up like a clown. Yeah. And in a lot, a lot of the shots, I'm into that. <laughs> Looks, he looks really sad in that clown yeah, costume. Well, you know. Moore was not. Bond, not, Bond is Pagliacci. <laughs> Moore was not 100% on board with the clown suit. Oh, really? See, yeah. I, I thought it was fun. Uh, oh, like Glenn that. thought it was like a good disguise, a good fun thing, and he convinced Moore to do it. I, I don't mind the circus thing as just like a, a cover. Right. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like, to me, going in all in on the circus thing just kind of. It just adds a layer of just like just something, just I can't really describe it. It's just something with that doesn't fit. Like, because when uh, Barbara Broccoli put together, she put together all the circus stuff, and it was basically like they just put on a circus production and filmed it. And, right. And like, just right. invited real kids and just had like a nice little day. And like the thing, it's like to be, it, it's actually the fact that they go on like the full circus and focus on that so much. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's just something doesn't sit well with me with that. And it's just like, right. it doesn't really. Like you could do the circus thing as like a smuggling, but it just feels like making the circus like acts like the central mm. plot element of that like big bomb thing. It just kind of feels well, it raises the
1: stakes. There's family and friends there.
0: I mean, listen. I I am not gonna argue it's just, you know, the it's, point it's, it's
1: too like much. The aesthetics
0: of it are just so jarring to me. Mm. It's just like it, just well, it,
1: it is jarring because of the movie it's in. right? But here's maybe the thing. maybe
0: if maybe maybe if it were in a different context, maybe it would if fit it was, a was just
1: Russia, if it was just like Bond has to infiltrate Russia yeah. or just that area of Europe, yeah.
0: Like, and also with this really weird thing, the way that the movie is structured too, because like we've said, like I I will admit. Bond, like, getting that bomb, it's a very dramatic moment, and it's very high stakes. But that's not the end of the movie. The end of the movie is this thing where he, like, the assault on Khan's base. Right. And the fact that there it's, like, you've taken away... You basically solve the issue, and you're just basically like, oh, the final revenge thing. So there's no stakes to that last sequence. Because it, <laughs> right. it's, it's not even, like, like, Spy Who Loved Me or anything, or, like, oh, like, he, he took Octopussy, we've got to, you know, we've got to get like her back or something it's basically like no it's just like oh we just got to beat the guy we right, gotta beat right the villain should be i think we've mentioned pretty much everything um i do want to get to like some last things that i liked um i kind of like the henchman i like gominda uh i thought like he had some cool like it wasn't like a big personality but i thought like he had some cool fight moments i think he worked well with bond there's a great line which might be our quote we'll, we'll figure it out it's either the it's either one we might as well say because this one plays a little bit better if you see it. So yeah. we should explain this. Yeah. One. Yeah. But also because maybe maybe the it's my octopusy quote will be the quote of the movie. Whatever. Yeah. But this scene, so so basically Bond has had um sexual relations with Magda. Uh huh. Um with like that it was w-
1: another thing. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that was another thing. Like there was that Bond girl, but like she doesn't even get the courtesy of being the Bond girl that dies. No. She's just kind of like another one. Yeah. And then she just kinda of well, disappears she's, she's, into the movie. Well she's
0: basically supposed to be Octopussy's right hand woman, it's, but she but uh, she also again it's that lost potential. It's right. like you, you disappear and then she just kinda of comes back. She has a cool scene where she flips over a balcony and slides down. Yeah, which she pulls she a, a cat woman. Yeah, which was I thought was really cool. It was, really, it was cool. Yeah. And then uh but she has a scene. So basically Bond and her have sex and she takes the the Faberge egg, which Bond intends to because it has the, the whole uh microphone or the the uh the thing in it right um and then later when he's at octopussy's palace he says good night to her and he's like oh would you would you like a nightcap and it's like you know would you like to have more sex right, right, right. and then she's like no good night mm-hmm. and then the henchman uh gobinda comes over and leads into a room and then he comes up to him and he's like do you want a nightcap and he just stares at him and he's like all right, Good night. <laughs> All right wasn't Which, it? I, I I wouldn't suppose you wanted a
1: nightcap or yeah. something like that. It was pretty, it's pretty fun. You know what?
0: I I would I would think that if he said yes, Bond would be like, okay, let's do it. I'm a man. You man know, remember? Word. Hey, in, in Skyfall, they they do imply he's L- had male relations.
1: Listen, the only last thing I have to say is that one time, at one point, Bond, uh, they think he he's a dead body and he's wrapped up, and then when the bad guys like put him on like a crate or something or on the back of a truck, he like scares them. Yeah. Like, he's like, Woo! like, and they're like, oh my God, I thought that guy was dead. And, and I was like, oh, it's a zombie Bond or a Bond-B. <laughs> uh,
0: <BJ, laughs> VJ's cover is that he's a snake charmer even though he hates snakes. Yeah. Uh, also, VJ wasn't a great actor in this movie. Um, I thought he should have stuck to being a tennis player. I thought he was fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not in the movie enough. Nobody's given enough in this movie to be bad or good, as far as I'm concerned. Uh,
0: Yeah. Octopussy is one of the lower ones for me. I just wasn't feeling this at all. Yeah, I mean,
1: this kind of went from being just fine to...
0: Yeah, it's not great. Let's let's, let's finish
1: All right. this. <laughs> All right. So this movie released on June 6,
0: 1983 nineteen eighty three. We're gonna play a little guessing game right now, because oh, uh, this is a movie again. It's competing this year with Never Say Never Again, the Connery Bond movie. Mm-hmm. So I want you to guess which movie made more money, Octopussy or Never Say Never Again, and give me a number of how much. Oh my God! Can I get like an over under on this one? Like I don't know.
1: Listen, man. I'm in Godzilla. I'm in Godzilla mindset. So I'm thinking about like tickets and right. how many tickets has it. Well, sold? Well, which one
0: sold more tickets? Will? then uh, the Connery one. Well, you'd be incorrect. Oh, well, the, the, God damn it, Octopussy made 187 million at the box office. So again, a slight step below. Yeah, you only li- this right. was your
1: plan the whole time to make me look like a fool, wasn't it, Nick?
0: Um. So Octopussy, step below. Um. The uh, previous film, but it still made a lot of money at $187 million. Never Say Never Again, which came out about six months later, made $160 million at the mm-hmm. box office. So at the end of the day, bringing back Roger Moore uh, was the right call for the Bond team. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie had mixed reviews, but more on the negative side of the mix. Mm. Uh, there were some people that enjoyed the the exotic nature of the India stuff and enjoyed things of that nature. Uh, but most of it was just really a lot of it was kind of what we talked about, which is just kind of the, the the film was all over the place and just kind of this the tonal nature of it, where uh, there was a lot about how the circus stuff just do- didn't fit with kind of the serious nature of like the rest of the movie mm-hmm. in some sense. Um, I'm not gonna read any specific reviews because there wasn't really anything that stood out, but I did feel like there was a lot of them that kind of said that the movie tried to play with the goofiness of something like a moonraker but it's had the tone of something more like a from rush with love yes and that's where kind of the disconnect comes from where it doesn't really play to the goofy nature that some people like Mm. but it doesn't really play that serious tone that people like either it's kind of neither either it's neither nor Mm. it's just kind of somewhere and it's just kind of there as a movie
1: well because here's the thing uh four eyes only was our last one yeah Like, in terms of how the depth of this movie, it's not wholly dissimilar from the last one in terms of how deep it actually goes into anything. But But the thing about the last one, which I, you know, I was critical of, but that one was just so goofy and, like, so, had so much, like, momentum to it in terms of, like, it was so, like, I call it, like, I think I called it relentlessly stupid. Yeah. That, Like, like... even yeah. in retrospect, like it's it's entertaining to watch, and
0: to me, just an even comparison for me, because I loved *For Your Eyes Only*. Right now, it's in my top five, which is insane thing to say. Mm-hmm. Like even six months ago, before we you know we got to these movies, but the thing about that movie is just from an, again, I can agree with you that maybe it doesn't have a, like you know the depths are similar, but it just had everything about it was just so much more interesting. It had more interesting character dynamics. It had more interesting energy more interesting action sequence just like locations right. like it just was a lot better
1: cuz even like the sexiness stuff in this movie just feels yeah half-assed
0: and even, like, you know, it's like... Like, a, I always to, give
1: credit for it not being gross. Yeah. But in this one, like, I, I, I also wrote and down like, in my notes in the opening, like, you know, the the opening segment, like, the animation or whatever. Like, I've said, by the time I get through these movies, I may become asexual. Because the, the female... <laughs> Because the female form is doing nothing for me in this
0: movie. Because
1: you see it so like, much on like, display. Very quickly, like even <laughs> if you just compared
0: uh, Melina Havelock to, yeah. to Octopussy, like, Melina is just, from an actress standpoint and from just a character standpoint, is just so much more unique. And she
1: has something to do. Yeah. Octopussy has nothing to and, do
0: like, in n- the movie. If Maude Adams is fine, like... She talks. Really she has f- nothing to do. She's fine, but like, but no, you're right. You're, the thing is, you're right. She's fine. As, it's fine as a performance. You know, she talks a little fast sometimes for some reason. But otherwise, you know, it's again like you see a little bit of like her leading the team in that last action sequences. But you just you wish you had more or something for her to do.
1: Yeah. Well, Nate, I got things to do. So like, do, do we got anything else? Like- All right. What's Harrison Ford? Oh, Harrison Ford, um, hmm, is he, like, like, the man with the sternest face? Like, is he one of, like, the, uh, like, the, uh, is he one of the attractions at the...
0: (laughs) At the circus?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking he's either... No! No, dude, what are we talking about? He's a random guy at the auction house who shouts that belongs in a museum, yes
0: I was gonna so that's good, also he could have been the pilot in the pre production that kicks the terrorist off the plane,
1: yes, yeah, definitely, definitely,
0: all right, so with that, we're on to the next bond movie, which yeah. is our finally
1: I didn't think I disliked this movie as much as I thought and Then talking about it, yeah. I was like
0: yeah. not, not not one of my favorites no it's it's really on the i m- I'm not a, you know I'm not a fan of man with the golden gun it might be just above it.
1: Listen, my what I've learned in the past 5 days of analyzing <laughs> movies is if you're not hot on a movie, don't think about it anymore if
0: you don't want to dislike it more. Right, yeah. <laughs> but you yeah, know it's it's kind of at the bottom of my list. I think it might be my second least favorite we've seen.
1: This will probably rank low and just kind of stay yeah. down there, yeah. yeah.
0: But here's the thing, we got one more, more movie to go. Yes. One thing I should mention which is kind of funny. So Moore is 55 in this movie. And this is the movie. So he ties Connery now he, mm-hmm. with the amount of movies. So he And he's going to beat Connery at the next one. This is the movie where you can kind of feel people are, like, tired of Moore. Like, there is a still, like, cause people see the movie. People, it makes a lot of money. But there's that sense of, like, people are ready to move on from Moore. And Mm -hmm. then we still have one more to go. So we
1: again but that it doesn't have to be the case. It's like you gotta get him stuff to do. Like I said, this is the last thing I'll say. When you get to that last scene where he's trying to tell people about the Bond, the (laughs) Bond (laughs) <laughs> the bomb. When he's trying to tell people about the bomb, that is, like, an actual, like, he's got direction. He's got something he has to convey. And I would argue that that is some of my favorite stuff I've seen Bond do in any of these movies. Yeah. Just that little moment. So he is capable, he's capable of delivering yeah. this stuff. All right. Because the age thing, I joke about it, but never really was a huge problem for me. Like, you could play into that yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. but. Yeah, We'll talk about it in the next one. Right. Because
0: yeah. the next one might play a little bit more into. Uh, so the next movie is our final <laughs> Rides or More movie, finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is View to a Kill. Uh, and you've seen that one? Yes, I have. So we are going to see some Christopher Walken, baby. Oh, oh, Mr. Bond, James,
1: 007, License to Kill. And, and look forward to a lot of that that episode Yeah, so we'll talk about
0: Vito kill and that'll be kind of the end of it will probably be our res- retrospective on roger moore so it'll be interesting to talk about
1: well nick um but next time it's not a it's not no, a James it's, Bond episode it's
0: not it's
1: a Godzilla it, episode.
0: It, it it ain't
1: nick in the next episode we finally get the debut of one kaiju who almost made his debut and this time it'll be megalon and Godzilla versus Megalon, but I can also, more importantly, introduce you to the infamous, the great Jet Jaguar. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, I think I've heard
0: a little bit over the years about this little Jet Jaguar fellow, so I'm interested to see him yeah. actually in Listen, action.
1: It's a big year for uh, cat-based superheroes, <laughs> yeah. So get ready for Jet Jaguar, Black Panther. <laughs> the other one yeah you just looked at me like you didn't get the joke
0: yeah no i got it just wrap it up i'm done
1: we're done uh
0: bonzilla at gmail.com email (laughs) bonzilla (laughs) twitter.com slash bonzilla double seven that's twitter facebook.com slash bonzilla seven that's facebook like and subscribe itunes and soundcloud that's it
1: yeah all right well um i'm done i'm good uh oh and you can find me at this podcast yeah Uh, I wrapped up my other podcast the upside fans Uh, for those you don't know we um, are finished that one uh, in for moving on to endeavors of other podcasting and other things so if you are curious at what that final episode was uh, then I would go check that out I personally liked it I thought it wrapped up pretty nicely
0: yeah it sounded good yeah (laughs) All
1: right, get out of here Nick shoot
0: yeah they filmed at the Berlin Wall yeah And I guess they were afraid of the East Germans because they kept watching them. (laughs) It's kind of weird.
1: All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.